welcome to episode 271 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. Sean Shute is also with us here today, but I can't really attribute as always to him. Uh, today is Spitballing Pod's fifth birthday. We've travelled far and wide in that time. We started in my lounge, moved into my kitchen, moved upstairs, so you might see a pattern there. Uh, and eventually we've gone remote. We've spawned four new shows in that time, Out of Order, Movie Madness, Protect Your Neck and 3MP. We've conducted interviews with fighters, actors and directors and more across the rest of the UK, Ireland, America, New Zealand, Australia and more. Sean has joined and left the podcast about six times. <laughs> We've lost the likes of The Charmer and The Major, but gained the likes of Harper and Keenan. We've held down a spot on New York radio during rush hour. We started a YouTube channel and amassed over 60,000 views. We've kept our listeners updated with the biggest news across our time on the air. We've educated our audience as to the horrors of television. We've seen the name game come and go. We attempted to branch out into European football, which went horribly. We tried to bring back some respect for some forgotten ballers that the streets truly had forgotten. Gabriel Ainsley, I think, was the first one. None of this meet you business. And after all of that and more, Alex still can't be bothered to join us. Um, how is everyone doing today? Very well. Yeah, good, in- good intro there. Thank you. As of as of the last couple of weeks, you also had a gold Olympic gold medalist on this podcast. Is that uh, Maxi Hop? Max Max Perot, yeah, yeah. Max Hop is the darts player. I've just got him confused with. So um, <laughs> similar for the disrespect. <laughs> I, didn't was, I didn't know if that was like a nickname that you had somehow realised. No, no, I remember the name Max. Um, but okay. there we go. Um, nice of you to be on for 15 seconds and uh, ruin the hard work I've put into that intro. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. first sides of the pod you get there. Yeah, five years. Jeez, that, is mad. that is mad, yeah. At this very day. What year did Harper join? Um, I think he was on... His first episode was, um, I think, just after we'd um, got the radio slot because it, it did like I think it was like eight to ten thousand hits on that one, um, and then because he came up with his he came in with his notepad if you recall, and it was on one of the like hottest days that I think we've like, ever had in my kitchen. Yeah, that was, it, it, I remember it being very warm, just sat there sweating. It was. It was yeah, uh, Brad was on as well. Pressure. I did come in with my notepad. I just wanted to show you all my commitment and how prepared I was. Yeah, yeah, look a bit professional. And then the only t- other time that I brought a notepad was when Byron trolled me. Um, <laughs> and I actually came over with about a page worth of notes for a subject that he wasn't discussing. About, about Frank Lampard versus Club in the first two years. <laughs> that, that, that truly is a uh, great sign of uh, what we offer on the podcast. Um, I don't know why I've just broadcast that L. I mean... <laughs> Obviously, plenty others have come and gone in that time. Just uh, didn't give them uh, all the runtime. And Major and Charmer flew off the tongue a bit easier than uh, some of the others. So, if anyone feels offended, either you should feel offended, or I've not meant to. You can decide which way around that should be. <laughs> um, I did look to see if there was any news of not news of the week um, game show horrors. 
for us to get into this week to truly uh, go down that stretch. But um, there's a few, but not quite enough for a whole topic. So uh, we'll save that for a rainy day because there has been some news of the week this week after a quiet couple. Um, Sean, if I uh, start you off with this, uh, a Finnish skier has suffered from a frozen Johnson during the Winter Olympics. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've I don't know this. if it was frostbitten or what, but yeah, that's probably a place you don't want frozen. See, I've, actually, I've actually read into this. Oh. This, this is the second time that it's happened. To him? To the same guy. Oh, come on. <laughs> You've got to learn your lesson, boss. It's, yeah, it's happened, it's happened to him before. And I just, he would, have, he would have stopped after the first one. And he was, he was like getting interviewed for it. And he said that he just quipped about potentially not being able to have kids like in the future. <laughs> but, but who is this guy? He needs like um like a little umbrella pouch, um, not quite the size of an umbrella unless he really is blessed, but just something like he can just pop over the top, have some little drawstrings to pull it in tight. And um you'd think once that's happened once, as you said, you'd go to great extents to ensure that never happens again. I did yeah. have concerns when Jack said he'd seen this. He's <laughs> actually seen it. I mean, that, I'd never recover. These are the but, horrors that we didn't get into on the Everest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, Doug just wanted to end it all after he put his dick in the snow. <laughs> For a second time. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Uh, woman charged for allegedly faking her pregnancy with a bogus bump to get time off work. I saw that headline. Bogus Again, bump. didn't read into it. Yeah, bogus bump just makes me think of Byron in eating four Chicago towns for lunch. <laughs> the, worst, <laughs> the worst thing with that was I didn't really see it as an issue until the responses came in. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel a bit. I feel a bit weird. Um, I had four Chicago towns for lunch. Well, I think we've got to the root of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that might be the start of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to say it was a wake-up call, but the only wake-up call was probably just don't put them in the group chat in future. Yeah. <laughs> your, your shameful habits. Just don't evidence the crime rather than stop doing the crime. Yeah. I think that's probably, uh, maybe not the last part, but don't evidence your crimes is probably a, a, a good life motto anyway. Yeah, probably fair. Uh, drunken woman on motorised suitcase leads police chase through Orlando Airport. <laughs> that is great. What always, were they chasing I... her on? <laughs> because if this was a film, like they'd all be on motorised suitcases as well to make it fair. Ones that are just a tiny bit slower. <laughs> it's got this image of like two police officers on one and one's like hold her steady or the other one tries to position itself to jump <laughs> onto the other one I saw a thing did you, earlier do you say Orlando by the way yeah Orlando yeah there we go Florida woman again yeah Jesus <laughs> I, got it. I saw the top of the thread earlier and it was about like pet peeves in films and one of them I'd never thought of and it said um when someone's supposedly texting like their best friend of 12 years, yes. the text conversation is blank. This is like their first message to them. Yeah. Seems and I like, never thought about know, it until then. Seems something small you think they would be able to have worked out, didn't it? Yeah. And I'd probably pay someone a ridiculous amount to like flesh out a conversation above it. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe my favourite headline of the week... Um, Stafford Zoo hires Marvin Gaye impersonator to encourage endangered monkeys to get it on. 
<laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> I, I like how they haven't gone and found somebody who's good at covers. They've just literally gone and found. <laughs> they couldn't just. <laughs> apart from the fact, I don't know the scientific thing of if monkeys are going to go to Marvin Gaye, but could they have not have just got Spotify? Did they have to get a tribute? <laughs> <Yeah>. What? <laughs> they tried that and they were like, right, this is the last straw before we <laughs> before we get Marvin on speed dial. <laughs> The monkeys might not know he's dead, so if we just get someone in, then maybe they'll, they'll think it's more authentic. Um, the the one that's maybe left me with the most questions, um, Lad hailed as man of the year after becoming woman's birthing partner during Tinder date. <laughs> what? <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm at a stage of desperation, and I feel like there's even a stage past desperation where it's like, I'm dating pregnant women on Tinder and not even like, I don't know if there's a difference there, but and this like is the next almost full term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if it's the first day. Christ. No, I, I know, I know a lad and uh, I remember peeking over his shoulder and we were on the train back um, from a sporting event once um, and seeing him message someone on Tinder saying, uh, congratulations on the birth. And that was enough for me that oh. it was post-birth, not pre-birth. Oh. <laughs> pre-birth feels another level. This is like the opposite of the Tinder swindler. Like yeah. you just, it feels like you're fucking yourself over. <laughs> this is why Alex isn't here. He's on the start of the maternity leave that he's swindled. <laughs> I mean, that makes more sense than the woman putting a fat suit on for however long to get her... Uh, maternity leave meet someone on tinder that's about to give birth and try and weasel your way into the maternity or paternity in that case just keep matching new birds and get the two weeks returning <laughs> each time um pest control expert warns of huge rats swimming up toilet pipes nice so uh make sure you have a little look down and uh oh anything that's why you put a few layers down to prevent splashback and to give the rat something to chew through before it uh comes right up one you may have seen this week go on i was just gonna say i always have a different opinion of rats after too fast too furious where he sticks a rat on his belly and then heats up the can (laughs) on top of it yeah oh i thought you were gonna say you have a strong opinion on applying layers to prevent splashback I mean, I don't have the strong opinion. I'm just of the opinion that that works. I mean, like, yeah. you, don't, you don't need a you don't need to have a strong opinion on that. <laughs> Quite bad. It's the only life lesson opposed. I can recall getting from my dad. And that was the worst thing during the start of COVID, wasn't it? Not being able to do that, having to ration. Yeah, I remember uh, being told, "Make sure you aren't doing that." I was like, "Come on, you can't." take everything away from me if a man loses that what has he got left <laughs> we're on war, wartime rations and just using entire bog rolls like, hey, listen it's a big one all right give me a break um i don't i won't say who i mean i may leave it up to people to decide i'm sure it was either sean or tk that said they actually prefer splashback confirm sean Jesus, that is that is. Like, <laughs> I judge you more there than the person who's dating pregnant women. 
I guess it's like a bidet, isn't it? It's like a bidet. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely not like a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out uh, you just need it for a bit. Wake you up. That is beyond my comprehension. People are going to be messaging us like, I can see why you don't have him on very often. <laughs> um, a story well, you the may have. Extreme. There's the other extreme, though, where people put like 15 layers of toilet paper down. That makes more That's sense. Just, it's just too much. <laughs> it's not economically friendly. It's not, no. You don't want to bog that toilet up. How many times no. have you done it? Um, a story you may have seen this week. Sisters have sons who are both brothers and cousins. I couldn't believe this wasn't getting more, like, I don't know more stick we, than it was they, they were kind of just do you want to explain like, for people that don't know the story what about so well, I can explain set, if not two sets of twins having kids but then I did also see they lived together as well yeah exactly I yeah. mean where where is the line being drawn here also the fact that didn't they say the twins gave birth on the same date yeah yeah which means presumably they're synchronising which is all just what well, <laughs> the way I saw it was with a quote tweet and it was um, there's something seriously dark that no one's talking about here. And I saw it and thought, you know what? Yes, I agree. There is something going on here that we don't want the answers to. I, th- I think there's enough answers out there that I think it's bad. I don't think there's much being hidden here. I think they're doing yeah, it in plain fair. sight. Um, it was just being retweeted. Like, it was just a, oh, this is kind of fun, isn't it? It's like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> no. Um Man's 50k injury claim backfires as he's caught surfing down the stairs. <laughs> if you're the lawyer on that case, you're absolutely raging. <laughs> um, Mark Wahlberg's Wahlburgers opens up in Sydney. Mm. And finally... A woman poisoned her partner and stole £75,000 while he was in hospital with chronic diarrhoea. <laughs> My first question, at what stage does diarrhoea become chronic diarrhoea? You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've been... I mean, I've certainly never been hospitalised with a shit. That, that is another level. <laughs> person in the cubicle next to Sean in hospitals go just put some toilet paper down for God's sake man <laughs> can't take it anymore I can hear everything get something down there <laughs> alright um, that's it it's quite a filthy news of the week actually so um, <laughs> it's probably best we move on to some more filth and that filth is Tottenham Hotspur uh, who defeated Man City at the weekend with a scoreline of Two goals to one. Um, a number of questions here. The overriding question here is how significant was that win? TK, I'll go to you first. The main thing that came up on Twitter following this was um, how this has opened up the title picture. Liverpool are now six points behind City with a game in hand and a game against City still to come. Um are you any more confident than you were at 5.30 on Saturday night? Yeah. Well, firstly, it was nice that we suddenly, we can make this about us immediately. A very good result for Spurs and we could make it about us. That was obviously fantastic. Uh, yeah, you definitely feel more optimistic today. I don't think, other than you, many people thought <laughs> uh, Tottenham would 
beat City. So any unexpected drop of points for City is you got to take it as a bonus. Um, I feel like I don't want to say the words title race until until we get that game in hand one. I don't really want to think of it because only because at this stage, if you were to then drop points in that game in hand, I think it feels such a huge psychological blow. It's such a missed opportunity, it's such a let off for City that it would be kind of more than just drop points, if that makes sense. Is that game in hand the one against us? I believe it's Leeds in the week. So yeah, I think once we do that, you'll have another one in hand, won't you? After because the of the Carabao, yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. that would be you, you then. Yeah, um, Sky have started manipulating fixtures now, so they've arranged every fixture except for Arsenal Spurs, um, which was due to take place before, um, or right around the Liverpool <laughs> one. Uh, well, same week, bought, actually. If you weren't scared to play, then you'd already played the game, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, to play. Please. Um, the six points thing. Um, not you, GK. I did see a lot of Liverpool fans jump to the conclusion almost immediately that you'll win both the game in hand and beating City was far more of a foregone conclusion than it should be. Um, Away at City. Yeah, in in our hands was actually trending on Twitter at yeah. eight o'clock on Saturday <laughs> night, yeah. which does ignore the fact that it is also in City's hands. Yeah, this, <laughs> I think people are playing fast and loose with the same in our hands, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If they win their games, then they win it as well. It seems uh, maybe people have misunderstood that. In terms of confidence, though, I think, and Jack and uh, Sean can clarify here. Outside of Liverpool fans who are probably looking at those top two places in the table, it felt that like City were far further ahead than a potential three-point gap after all games have been levelled out. Yeah, yeah, it did. I I thought they were over the hill and far away, but little did we know that quite under the radar as well, Liverpool just snuck up on them. <laughs> I, I, I find it. I find it weird that everyone was going on about how City, how they just basically won it already. And no one had put two and two together. That, like, like they said, it could be down to a three-point game. All they need to do is lose one game. I guess maybe because City are the best team to beat Norwich at 8-0. Um, but we forget that they can be vulnerable sometimes. And all they need to do is lose one game against... Like people that are hot in their heels, like Liverpool, and it can throw it all into into shadow again. It's a bit of a doubt for them. Is it not that? Um, and I think you reference similar TK. Um, the fact that so much attention has been paid to this result is that it is so infrequent that City even drop points, let alone lose a game. So to need this potential six-point swing. Is far e- is 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 far easier said than done. Yeah, and, and we're only yeah you know, for all we're saying, uh, it felt like the title race was over, and now it feels like it potentially is back on. We're only a, a week or two removed from Klopp himself literally saying, in an interview, he's go- gone from, yeah, I think it'll be near enough impossible. No, no, I think it is impossible for us to catch yeah. City. So he's kind of ignited. Now I know managers often say things like this. But kind of there's a way in which they say it, and he kind of did his usual of, but we'll try and push as far as we can for the rest of the season, for example. So I think it's not like we're just being a sort of knee-jerk. I, mean, I think it's kind of 
the perception was that they were going to run away with it. And all it took was, what, a few weeks ago, a draw with Southampton, and then obviously this uh, loss to Spurs, and it's closed the gap a little bit. Coincided with a good run for Liverpool as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it does seem to have, as you guys have said, out of nowhere, it's kind of like someone's stolen some points off them somewhere, I think. In, in terms of um, Klopp's thinking, how much of a bearing do you think this now has on the League Cup final? Is there now more of a chance to rest players rather than it be an opportunity to go out there and win a trophy? Do you think it could be that significant in how he thinks about this? Because any time previously you've had a title charge, admittedly you've gone out before this stage, it has been very much put the cups to one side. We're not too fussed about those. Yeah, I don't think so. Like you said, only because we've come this far. So, And I think a win there can be a catalyst to help you win other games. And well, I think it's the FA Cup game following uh, yeah, the Carabao right. Cup. So it's not like okay. he's got a, a league game after it to rest people in either. So uh, I think in, in this case, I imagine Liverpool and Chaz will both view this final as a chance to give them a boost for the rest of the year. And you probably the, rest the you rest the players in the Norwich game, don't you? The FA Cup. It's probably where you're going to rest. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what um, what team puts up with Leeds really in midweek because he did rotate against Norwich on the weekend, yeah. and it nearly yeah. backfired a little bit. People are praising <laughs> the subs, but you kind of had to make the subs because you didn't start the team that was probably right. And on the other hand, Jack, um, could this actually do the opposite to City and what people are intending in? this could kind of give them a reminder of how things can change and instill a new sense of focus that perhaps they were slipping and now just drive them on and let, they may not drop another point for the rest of the season. I mean, usually if it was a normal team, I'd say that, oh, they'd be looking over their shoulders, they'd be a bit nervous. But this City team is such a machine where they've sucked all the joy out of title races because <laughs> they, like I said earlier, that... <clears throat> They're the best team in the league at beating the lower like lower half teams by a good considerable amount. Where sometimes potentially Liverpool or Chelsea can struggle. Liverpool have the firepower to get themselves out of it, whereas Chelsea at the moment just don't. Um I just don't see City slipping up. I think this was like a shock result, and they have a few where they lost to Crystal Palace earlier in the season. And they're like, whoa, shit, that was weird. And then you just get back onto their mm. pulverisation of the lower, ha- the lower half of the division. So it, back in the day, I know we used we hate United for, for, for our childhoods, but they were never this imperious, were they? I, I just, I can't, I remember them having results where they'd slip up or they don't, they'd grind it out in Fergie time or something like that, where, but City just seemed like they're untouchable until they're not. That makes sense. Yeah, I think with exactly what you just said there, with in terms of them being un- untouchable, um, a Klopp always gets the mentality of monsters quote kind of thrown back in his face whenever Liverpool drop a single point. Um, but I do think City are literally the opposite of that. They are just a very good team, and the mentality doesn't really come into it. I don't see, and I'm sure from the inside they view it very differently. I don't see a certain resilience to them. I don't see they have a, like a level of character to them. I think it is just what happens when you put 11 very good footballers on the pitch together at one time because the the criticism, and it went perfectly as an example in the Champions League final, is 
if plan A doesn't work, they look a bit like, well, what the hell do we do now? And for something so simple as Spurs simply going back a yard and having that diagonal pass on to either Son or Kulishevsky, um, whether it was Kane doing it and then being that the last man to kind of run into the box, they didn't adjust to it at all. And we criticised Klopp for it um, right around Christmas, I think, um, in terms of not adjusting mid-game and this and that. I thought it was the complete opposite with this. The, the only way City were going to get back into it was to just keep doing what they were doing. There was no more level of creativity to what they were doing. It was just keep doing and keep pushing and pushing and pushing and hope it hope it goes in. And then if this was any other team, by the way, they'd be getting far more critique and City, I suppose, have earned that. Any other team did what City did, get themselves back into it and concede about two minutes later. If Spurs had done that against City you would not oh, hear yeah. the end of it for the next week. Imagine. If Arsenal had done that against City, if United had done that against City, it's less than crumble like that. It's a, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible look for them. As you said, they probably have earned that leeway, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I think the the point to what Jack said, I think no one probably has been quite as dominant as City, but it's also the way they dominate each individual game, where they will have so much of the ball that it is just they're just pulverizing this team. This team really doesn't even have a chance. Whereas even dominant teams before, you'd have a share of possession that meant just naturally you'd have a little bit more of a chance, and it feels like you have with Man City. Um, so I think I think potentially you're probably a bit harsh with the mentality thing. I only think back to when Liverpool pushed them all the way and finished on 97 points. So it probably does take some level of fortitude to still be able to dig out a title win there. But on the whole. You know, your wider point, they've got 11 unbelievable players with a great bench and they've spent X amount of money. That probably is the bigger factor, I will acknowledge. I said last week I could do a never watching them again. I wish I hadn't, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> it was just a horrible, horrible game to endure. Um, it was incredible watching you desperately hope City get something. Whilst having to desperately hope Spurs get something on my end, <laughs> <laughs> just I wish this guy would just shut the fuck up. What's he doing cheering them on? Oh, it's, <laughs> and then was, you simultaneously thinking it about Liverpool fans. Like, what yeah. the fuck are they cheering on them? Like, I think it's, it's neither side able to understand the other. Yeah. I, th- I was kind of torn because of not wanting Spurs yeah. to have games in hand and whatnot. But then I also, again, didn't realise how close Liverpool were. Mm. Where I think I thought there was another three points in it. After yeah, guys, just, when people were getting excited, I was like, what the hell are you getting excited? Oh, right, okay. To yeah, clarify, yeah. Jack, so what was your position then? So once you realised Liverpool were closer, you were rooting on City more, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. I was focused. Yeah, yeah, I should have. <laughs> I didn't want Spurs to win. And like the on the only pretense being that I don't know any City fans, I'd probably rather them win the league than Liverpool. Just what? because of, I just don't For, know anyone that would rub it in. For clarity... Because I've off, I've speculated this, but I think it's probably more than speculation. Would you rather City just romp it than a title race where Liverpool have a chance of winning it? They don't win it, but I say to you, there's going to be at least a title race that will keep you interested. Or would you rather say, no, I don't want to have any chance of Liverpool win it? I will accept a write-up of the year. I don't know. Because I think if, I, if you canvassed opinion, it would be depressing. I think most people would go, yeah, fuck it, let City have it. They can win it in October for a week 
Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably feel that way and, and just say there's enough interest in the relegation in the top four. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's so depressing. <laughs> I'm, I'm the opposite. I would much rather have the race. The thing is, though, what you get from that... If I do get you why it. you wouldn't want us to win. I do understand that. Yeah, I, I guess as well, like if, if Liverpool weren't challenging, then that leaves them very free then to go hell for leather for every other cup competition where Chelsea at the moment, we're a bit of a cup team where... We let people just have the league. And we'll try and win the you let them. That's nice of you. That is good of them. Uh, that asterisk is going to be horrible next to the trophy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sean, I do have a question for you because I know you're yeah. a fairly down the middle Spurs fan. Um, I, I saw some trying to say different. I, I think even you'd admit your performance wasn't as impressive as our first half against City <laughs> for New Year's. <laughs> I, it was hanging over the whole result, wasn't it? You right? I mean, I, I think it was to be honest, because the way they approach the game just isn't very isn't like the way we approach the game. We didn't have a manager on the touchline either, so I think you should have been more sympathetic after that game, TK. You may have been closer now. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I was I was cheering you on. I thought Spurs uh, out perfectly for what it's worth. A joke yeah. aside, I thought they they nailed that. Is it not a thing though? Like, it's it's so obvious. Like, I don't understand how a city you can't prepare for that to happen because, for one, you know Spurs are going to do that anyway, and it's not like Spurs haven't given City enough reminders of what they're going to do when they play them. And on top of that, Conte's played the exact same way <laughs> for a number of yeah. years. Pep has come undone to Conte teams uh, since his first season in the Premier League. By now, if you're the manager, you're supposed to be, I'd expect you to have a bit more of an answer to putting people behind the ball and breaking fast. But then there were also things in there which are partly given play by Spurs and partly just individual things that Pep can't control. For example, that ball around the corner from Kane is obviously great that Sun comes in on. That's unbelievable. It's also Ruben Diaz just tries to play him off out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's never that's never on. So Pep can't really stop him doing that. And it's a great pass from Kane as well. The, the ending goal, obviously Kane gets the run on Carl Walker. I've seen him getting a bit of sticks. Well, Kane's better in the end than him anyway, and he's got no. the run on him. So there's, there's, I know Pep's a genius, but there's only so much you can do as well. That, that last goal was like slow motion. <laughs> I don't know how the defender's not seen it coming. I, I mean, I was put in our chat even worse. I was trying to back Spurs at the time because I could see the collapse coming. 22 to 1. I had the fiver and it's that horrible thing where it deposits the fiver to your account and then says, do you want to accept the change in odds? Um, and then the second it's suspended, I look up and the ball's going in the back of the net just to <laughs> add even more salt into the wound. Sean, um, Spurs are now three points behind Arsenal rather than a potential six. How big is that result going to be come the end of the season? I think it's it's going to be massive. Um, it's going to be a key thing we look back on. There's uh, there's obviously a few now you've got where we beat Norwich in the last minute, beat Leicester obviously in the last minute. What happened then? So that all add up. I mean, the, the, Norwich the, one. the the massive one is is obviously going to be the derby. Whenever that does get rearranged, I don't know when that's going to go in, but probably waiting for to pick up a few injuries. <laughs> potentially, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think it'll be huge. I mean, obviously, we, we've still got 
um, United to play uh, as well as as well as Arsenal. So I think those United the as well. Yeah, yeah, and war. So that that that's what it's going to come down to, isn't it? It's going to be the games between those teams. I think it's is, going to be close right up to the end. Is there another argument that says, look, we know you can beat City. It's the likes of you've got Burnley and Leeds next. I'd hope you could beat them, but it's the likes of uh, your Southamptons, your Villas, your Wolves that you've perhaps not been picking up the points that you yeah. should be picking up. <clears throat> yeah, I think that is the argument because I said for for whatever reason, as we touched on. They Spurs do have a good record against City in recent years, so it's the we've got to play Liverpool. Obviously, we've already played Chelsea twice, so thank God we don't have to play them again. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll we beat them at the Emirates. Bullish. Yeah. Benjamin White winner. Oh. Have you got to play? You got to play Chelsea as well. No. Yes, that's that was supposed to be um, last yeah, weekend. Yeah, you do. It's been pretty. It's... Yeah. Uh, right, got you. Our three postponed games are Liverpool rearranged. United, uh, uh, Liverpool, um, Spurs, and Chelsea. Wow, those big, oh. big games. And uh, race week, we've got Leicester, Villa, and Liverpool um, three in six days. Yeah. Jeez. So that's the thing, yeah. They, they, obviously, they come off the back of three defeats. So the team's still quite um, inconsistent. So. So they can get some kind of consistency going. Um, think, obviously, no, you know, European football, well, it helps to extent. I know Arsenal obviously don't have it either. But. What do you mean, obviously? Bro, <laughs> well, and you don't have FA Cup either, so you've actually got the advantage there. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got money to run in. Um, I think, like, we need to mention as well that is, as much as this is a massive result for Spurs. The city do tend to just bend over for them, as Bridge referenced. Yeah, don't. <laughs> I saw a tweet saying, "Why can't City just pick a normal bogey team like Norwich or Watford or someone like that, <laughs> like the rest of us?" They said they picked Spurs. It's just the most irritating. Losing to a Nuno Spurs side is is grounds for match fixing. To be honest with you, when <laughs> <laughs> you've got those parts in place and talking about parts in place, Sean. Um, what do you think is the best Spurs midfield now? Because he's kind of mixed and matched the combinations the last couple of weeks, some by choice, some by uh, force. Yeah. Um, I think Benton, you play Benton Kerr because that means Stinks doesn't play. Uh, and the, the quality that he has kind of shows that with, with the pass he made for the third for the third goal. Yeah. Um, like Winks definitely isn't playing that pass. So I think he plays. And then... And then I'd probably say Skip's been out. I'd probably put Skip in there as well. So I'd go for, yeah, Skip, Skip and Bentacore would be the two I'd go for, I think. But if Hoiberg would, would occasionally come on, depending on the game. But those are the two I'd go Spurs for. Those fans are waking up to Hoiberg, one of the most overrated players in this league. The, he did the, have, he had a good, he had a good start to his career. Um, but then I think I he, he burnt out. He was Torreira in a Spurs shirt, and Torreira probably had a better time in the short time he had here. Alex was on here saying he's better than Xhaka. Hoiberg would kill for the career Xhaka's had. <laughs> and yeah. I think any manager in the league, if you offered him Hoiberg or Xhaka, they'd take Xhaka even with the red cards. <laughs> it infuriates me when I see bit, Hoiberg get praised. 
Yeah, I think I think it's a toss up, and that's not that's an, that's an indictment on both of them. It is far from a. If you offer Conte, he swaps him tomorrow. Well, with the red cards, that's what he swaps him tonight. Advantage. He doesn't Hi, Antonio. Can, can I interest you in a midfielder that can't run but loves getting red cards? Yeah, I'll think about it. Yeah, that seems interesting. <laughs> he can run more than Hoiberg. <laughs> they, I mean, neither is exactly mobile. But this is a man Hoiberg. that's playing as an eight these days. Also, Hoiberg, I've said before, the advantage of him is he kind of knows what he is, just a rat. Whereas Xhaka kind of thinks he's a Rolls Royce, but then kind of goes off and thinks he's a rally car as well. He doesn't quite know what he, what he is, and he kind of ends up being neither. I think your boy John Cross once called him the quintessential deep line playmaker. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't rule that out with John Cross. <laughs> um, so I guess we're saying, all in all, it's a very significant win in the grand scheme of things. I don't it wanna, is, yeah, for lots of I, reasons, I guess. I don't want to rain on their parade. I do think it does also make those past results the week before to Southampton and Wolves just look even more of a glaring <laughs> missed opportunity. You can get that win against Southampton, certainly, at least. Entirely, it does. Then yeah. it's just, you're, on, you're in such an even better position. Than you want, and things are looking better for Spurs it's already. It, Puts us, yeah, it puts us a point. But that if let's say we do win both of those, that puts us a point behind United with three games in hand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Byron's got you in top four, confirmed at that point. He's already given up if that happens. Well, the the thing that worries me the most um, watching Spurs is that I do think the way that they play is the perfect foil for the way that we now try to play. So I'm not looking forward to that rearranged fixture. Um, my hope is essentially if they're going to push that game back we've got enough points on the board before then that <laughs> render it meaningless yeah you don't <laughs> Spurs cock up enough before then well I think about what's about 70 points 70-75 points is probably going to get you fourth place this season oh we should so yeah yeah can probably afford what two three losses max in the next 16 games um, Let's so, say yeah. Spurs have to hope this is the start of something for Kane and not just a one-off, don't they? Basically, well, yeah. you look at you look at the um, kind of media frenzy after this result, talking about the passion on the touchline from Conte and it being a spark from the pitch. Everything that was said, you could swap his name out for Mourinho, and we heard the exact same things when he came in. Um, mm. A number of the reactions after the game. Um, Conte, I think, the day before was trying to say, you know what, this is actually one of the best groups of players I've ever worked with. A week after saying, <laughs> my squad has been weakened I, in January, blah, blah, blah. It was the translation. It wasn't, Sean. Uh, Jack <laughs> should know. Anytime anyone over here is going to speak to Sky Italia, just don't just don't bother. Just yeah, stop. ignore it when it comes back through. Conte's been throwing his toys at the pram and I mean, I don't want to quote the man because he's not the only man that said it, but your boy Jamie O'Hara said Conte's trying to distance himself. He knows knows how this ends up and he's trying to portion as much of the blame away from him as possible. Uh, I don't blame him. Uh, It's... I had a I had a moment post game uh, yesterday when I was looking at United and Maguire's happy face winds me up, <laughs> and I was thinking, would I rather Conte was there or at Spurs? 
at Spurs, you do have the added kind of Spurs are going to Spurs, so he can only take them so far. Um, at United, you know that he's probably going to have a short period of success, but ultimately the players are going to drag him down and he's not going to hold any prisoners when he gets there. I do think I'd rather he was at United just because it averts any risk for me. Um, I, I, I thought for sure Fonseca is going to be the guy. Like He can only be linked with so many clubs before he ends up at Spurs. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Conte is there, so we just have to hope that those players sabotage themselves um, before he can bring anything good. Son, in his post-match interview, made a point to say that everyone's been wrong for criticising Harry Kane and it's been so horrible to see this happening. <laughs> As if we didn't see that he was on five league goals before the game this weekend. And not only that, the media seems to have forgotten that as well. All the headlines are, uh, doubt him now, uh, this guy deserves more respect. The same thing's been happening. Aubameyang scored a hat-trick on uh, Sunday and we're supposed to say, you know what? We shouldn't have sold him now. Great player. (laughs) If they're showing you so much of one thing, Kane looked red hot against Liverpool as well. Mm. So it's down to him to turn it around. But I think if Lukaku scores a hat-trick this weekend, people aren't going to suddenly start saying, look, he's back. He's worth £100 now. They probably Double will, standards they Kane are just horrifying. The incredible thing with the media one is always when they go, like, oh, who's doubting him now? Like, <laughs> you, you were the people doubting him before. You do realise that. I was just, uh, I'm just looking at the table. I only really just noticed the difference with uh, the goal difference. Yeah, you're on zero, could, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. That could come down to it for top four as well. Like, you know, I appreciate United have played three more games than this, and they're on ten, but Arsenal are on ten, the same amount of games. So yeah, I reckon that that could be an issue there. You're on ten, the same uh, amount of games. We've played the same amount of games. Yeah, I thought you said you... Barca. No, no, Arsenal. Yeah, well, Arteta's got the boys firing, hasn't he? And that's without a striker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was a bad stat, but. Abamyang equaled Lacazette's uh, record for the season in one game. Oh, God. <laughs> Doesn't look good. I like Sean's optimism there. Spurs just need an 11-goal swing in, that, in those three <laughs> games in hand. <laughs> I, do, I do worry that we're, we're going to regret just kind of pushing United off to one side and saying, look, you worry about yourselves. Let the big boys take hold of this. And that billion-dollar squad is somehow just going to uh, come back to haunt us. Yeah, I kind of had in my head almost ruled them out and then they obviously get a result against Leeds. Funny you say about Maguire, I did see someone tweet saying like, uh, just love how when he like scores a goal, it's like he is the absolute dog. So his celebration looks, <laughs> who do you think you are? He like sure does would. that slide. Friend of the pod said, he doesn't know why Maguire's been getting so much stick. He said, you want to portion a bit more of that to Varane? I don't think that's totally unfair. He said, you look at how Maguire plays next to Varane and you look at how he plays next to Lindelof. Now tell me who the issue is. Yeah, and to be fair, if we consult the CV of the respective players, obviously, (laughs) you're full with Maguire. You go, well, listen, he's the proven product of the two. We'll stick with him. I thought you were going to take a through Sherwood CV then. I'm more than happy to dedicate a pod to that. 
Um, we do actually have a new intro for the episode today for a fifth birthday moving forward, but maybe next time we do one, Sherwood quoting his win percentage is absolutely going to be a contender. That just may be the intro alone because fantastic that was. We won't forget about that when the pod's over at some point. Yeah, Alex buying a gilet. <laughs> Saluting his strikers. <laughs> All right, but um, before we move on, we have um, the Champions League back this week. Um, we had some decent enough games last week. The Liverpool inter-game was better than I suspected it would be as much as uh, I thought the inter-strikers disgraced themselves, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool gave us a clinic in how not to finish a dinner in the first half and then a, a clinic in uh, how to take your chances in the second, I guess. Van Dijk hugging Dumfries for the second goal is so horrible by him because he's so big that Dumfries can't push him off. And it's like, why are you doing this? Yeah, that is ultimate humiliation, really, that, isn't it? I think someone said it, Dumfries had been winding him up in the week and Van Dyke more than laugh at him, was just, <laughs> he'd just embrace him instead. But Dumfries stood like it was an old uh, grandparent hugging him and he wanted no part of it. <laughs> that was glorious PSG Real Madrid um, the Spanish press never sleeps and there are rumours of Ancelotti being sacked because of the style of football they played in that <laughs> first leg if, if I were to ask you all if I gave you the option and Mbappe stays at PSG and Mbappe joins Real Madrid w- would everyone want to see Mbappe join Real Madrid because I'm excited to see how that plays out but some people may want him uh, out of sight out of mind Yeah, I'm. I'm happy with him to go to Madrid. You want the Galacticos to reform? If they get him and Haaland, that would be phenomenal. Uh, well, I was just going to say I like Haaland to go to to Barca, and then you can have that that rivalry. Mm. But I don't. Does he get in over Aubameyang now? <laughs> I wouldn't want them both on the same team. No. You'd have to find a place for Kareem there as well. And uh, he's got a stake for being the best in the world at the moment. Listen, well, everyone... you heard. Kane's the best in the world again now. <laughs> that Alex you're quoting. <laughs> yeah. Listen, everyone wants Madrid back at the party until they turn up at the party. And then you're yeah, going to quickly realise, oh, fuck's sake, why did we invite them? Well, I can see why you'd think that a bit more because... If they're back at the party, it's probably because they've taken one of your players. Um, <laughs> if they are reforming the Galacticos in, frighteningly, I mean, I reckon he could probably get a good deal out of Liverpool because I, I think Salah could throw a little strop if he really does want out. As a, as a side note, I, this week, invested in uh, R9 shirt um, from 2005, uh, arrived today. Do any of you remember it having netted sleeves? No. It's mad. You saw the dud, mate. I'll take a picture of it. Um, no, it's, it's completely authentic. Uh, I mean, the price I paid, it would have to be. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's got like a netted like V-neck almost. And then the sleeves uh, are like a thick netting also. It's it's the Ooh. weirdest thing. I don't know if it was like a style in 045, but... What did you get? The the white Siemens mobile? The white, the white Galacticos one, yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to return. I think I might replace it for a, a Inzaghi Milan shirt. Nice. 
or a Dino Barca one. So many classics out there. Um, yeah, Champions League this week. Chelsea Lille, um, the big one. Dare I say it, Jack? You might be you, you might be the only one here watching that. I'm going. So you're going. Yeah, Blow me. But tickets for the big clash that is Chelsea Lille. The Eden yeah, Hazard. You're in the box cold. again with your prawn sandwiches. No, I'm not. I'm in, this, I'm in the posh seats, but not the box. Yeah. You won't be going um, to the away one, will you? You've got bad history with that place, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was kind of going to give them a special mention. The Jack Harper Derby, as some call it. Uh, very one-sided derby, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope the ga- I hope the game goes differently for your sake, Christ. <laughs> I'm going to be keep, keeping my eyes peeled for their away lot and see if I recognise any faces. If if I do, they're going to be getting it. As soon as your jack on the floor said, I won this on away goals. Actually, it's a good good final point there. Does anyone miss away goals? I I, I liked away goals. Um, helps that I can't be on the wrong side of it this season. But particularly in the Champions League, I always thought it gave a nice little edge to it. Is it too early to say yet? No, we only have one. I don't know. I... I wasn't that bothered about them going. I know others were more. What's sure, man? So the first thing that was kind of thrown in its face was they were saying Real Madrid don't play that way that they played last Tuesday if away goals are in are in force. Do you think that's the case, or they're always going to just try and keep it tight and take it back to the Bernabeu? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's still going to happen occasionally. Obviously, you do get the odd result that, that's mad and crazy, don't get me wrong, but I still think most of the time teams, you know, you, you play safer when you're away and you hope to win at home, obviously. But I don't know. I, People might have different I, what views. I don't get, what, I, what I don't get is that, obviously, they want it to do it because they don't see the advantage that away teams have now, but when it gets down to like the 70th, 70th minute and you're drawing and someone's winning on away goals... And you just love seeing the absolute freefall of right, yeah. all kind of all cautions thrown to the wind. We're going for it. They get a goal, but if the other team gets a goal, they go through. So it's the stick or twist scenario where do we carry on attacking and go for the winner to make sure we're safe, or do we shove loads of people behind the ball? Like that, I, I think back to that Barcelona PSG game. Um, Absolute fast refereeing wise, but great spectacle. <laughs> and I, I don't think, think of, that of another Barca game in the Champions League that was affected by him as well. <laughs> Honestly, that <laughs> maybe it's uh, don't set him off. Yeah, the the lids a... the lids firmly on that can of worms, and it's not coming off today. <laughs> it's um, a second, maybe it's a second leg. It's a second leg thing. Yeah, because yeah, I think you're right. Half uh, we might see. I'm thinking if we get in the second legs of these ties and it's say it's a draw it's like 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two on aggregate whatever or on 70 minutes then you might get both teams or maybe 75 to 80 you might get both teams seeing it out to extra time rather than yeah. like you're right if you're on our way goals you're like fuck I've got a score yeah that's the thing we're going to see so much extra time now because it's good, like, like you say people are going to be drawing 10 minutes to go and usually that would mean that someone has to go for it whereas now people will just kind of sit behind the ball, probably play play the pen, play the safe option, and there isn't going to be that excitement that it generated the yeah. away. As fair or as unfair as people may think it is, 
um yeah i just i, I don't understand that that kind of saying of if it's not broken don't fix it no i'm who, i'm 100% who, in that camp who was calling for away goals to go no one <laughs> do you know what I, I don't mean? know a lot a lot of people were if you remember were saying i'm not that they're saying that they felt the away goals were sort of outdated now it's right. only used if you go out on it yeah, and people would say it's unfair. It's like, well, it's not much fair about going out on a penalty shootout, but we've got to work this out somewhere, right? <laughs> so, and I just, does no one have like any like foresight? Like, this was always going to happen. The whole point of why this was brought in was to stop teams just going away and camping. And now it's happened already. We've only just seen the first legs. It's probably going to get worse in the second legs. I saw, um, I think, I can't remember what jersey I want to say it was Rory Smith or something. I think he said, I always thought that this way rule should be uh, abandoned. But having seen these first legs, you know what? It seems weirdly obvious that actually they should have been here the whole time. So, oh, if only you could have envisaged that when you were playing for it last year. If only there was something in these games that made you realise, mm, maybe actually the away goal is always fine. The Champions League for the last years has been great. And it's always baffled me, the tweaks they've looked to make. To it. It's like, this is one of the few things where the product is absolutely bang on. Why you would look to change it, I have no idea. People yeah, have to justify their salary. It's changed for the sake of change, isn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Because you think as well that those games where the home team's dominating and the, the away team gets a attack on the counter-attack and then the home team has to go for it, then they score. Then Yeah. Like, that just jeopardy that it creates of, shit, right, what do we need to do now? Right, we need to do this. And then when you see, there's nothing more fun in a game where a team's going absolutely hell for leather they get a goal, yeah. they, they sit back, the other team has a go, and it keeps yo-yoing like that. Whereas now it's just going to be two teams of camping when it gets to the 80th minute where they're too scared to go for it because the risk doesn't just, the reward doesn't yeah. justify the risk, you say. Some yeah. of our best exactly. Champions League memories are in yeah. relation to the I was going to say, your rule. biggest nights have been based on, on this, haven't they? So There we go. I guess that's uh, just how it goes, unfortunately. Jack, um, if I asked you to put your house on Man United or Atletico to go through. Um, I mean, a horrible question, but who would, who would you put in your house on? Jesus, I, I think it'd probably be United because of just how bad Atletico have had been this season, of just absolute shambles. But then you've got careers your house on Chola. I just no, I just think I'd have, have to go United. Yeah. Anyone picking Atleti? I would normally say don't back against Cholo, but I too will put Jack's house on Man United. <laughs> <laughs> You've got yeah. Atleti pick in your show, haven't you? Yeah, I'll go. Le- I'll go Atleti. And uh, Byron, this is exactly what you said last week, or was it the week before, where you have a sweepstake at work and you always feel yeah. stupid if you don't bet against United. But how have they charmed us into backing them? Every I time? think almost anyone else, I probably would pick. You know, even I might even, you know, what Lil. Yeah. against them but I'll let you, I've only seen him a handful of times this year but they have looked abysmal did, did anyone see that Suarez goal that was getting hyped I mean fair play found the target decent pace on it it's I a thought, bad look it's a bad look for the keeper that one I actually thought it was he's, his goal was murdered by the caption when they said just past the halfway line it's, like, it's about 30-35 yards out of that it was, Quite a decent bit past the halfway line. Yeah, it's, 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 they, just they, out. So he recreated the Norwich goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was it. that's the one that I saw. And I was like, "How are you putting these in the same <laughs> ballpark?" This was like a 
a great goal because especially Ben Lamont is on his left foot and he's kind of had to curl it round on the keeper's position. It's horrible. So that's a good enough goal in itself. You don't have to try and uh, make it like these other goals. I feel that goal he didn't score where it was like 40 yards out and he hit the post. Can't remember who it was against. The goal he didn't score, that goal was probably better than the goal that he scored. Mm. And then the biggest news of the week, obviously, Jackie Will, she's back playing football. So uh, there we go. Good news for everyone. Who for? Um, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce their name. I saw some Spurs account call it a Harry Potter spell. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah, a Danish team. He's he's there. He's on on a contract to the end of the season. That depresses me a bit, but fair play. Whatever keeps me off talk sport. <laughs> I said to Troy, the issue for him now is he could be injured by the worst tackle the game has ever seen, and he's still going to be called injury prone. Jack yeah, 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 for sure. So there we go. Um, we do have some UFC and uh, boxing to get into. So unless Jack or Sean have a strong opinion on that, then uh, we will bid you farewell for the evening. Yeah, see you, boys. Yeah. Adios. Khan was robbed. <laughs> yep. Adios. I did ask Rory if he wanted to join us, but... He says he's still working, so we'll leave him to it. Drafter. Um, what do you want to start with, boxing or the UFC? Let's start with the boxing. All right, yeah, depressing evening for us. Um, although, if you listen to what we said last week, um, felt almost inevitable. Um, I don't want to say we were spot on because it went a bit later than we anticipated, but our feeling that... Khan had just waited this out until he had no other options left did feel very evident had an all right start to the first round got rocked with about a minute to go and then it was largely a case of when are you going to go down slash have the ref call it off then all right Khan could come back into this and win it yeah yeah for sure as you said, it's just a slightly more prolonged version of, of what we probably envisaged, wasn't it? Which is not what we wanted, but what we probably thought was going to happen. Yeah, um, quite depressing, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I think going in and something I meant to say last week is I actually think you can draw a lot of comparisons um, between Jack Wilsh's injury record and Ame Khan's chin. Um, <laughs> and I say that in the sense that a guy that has a guy that has been labelled chinny, despite there being a bit more to it than that. Like when you went through um the shots that he took from the likes of Danny Garcia, the shots that he took from Canelo, for example, those would have knocked out guys that were far less chinny mm. in inverted yeah. commas than him. And I do think with Wilshire, the injury record speaks for itself. Um but when you put it in context and you do see some of the tackles that particularly at the start of his career, kick-started this injury record. The one from Paddy McNair is still one of the worst tackles I've seen. Um, it does provide a bit more, at least, uh, explanation around it, where the reputation is always going to stick. It is somewhat um, deserved, but we kind of miss these things out. I said last week... <laughs> I knew things were done for Khan when I woke up after the Canelo fight and saw people talking about his chin. He's just been punched by a guy who was like a light heavyweight in there against him who uh, first time at the weight. And I mean, as we've said, didn't have the best chin in the world as it was, but 
you've never had a good night at the office when people are crediting your toughness after the fight. No, it's normally a sign that it's gone horribly, isn't it? Uh, as you said, it's, it is a shame because people will forever just call, whenever they talk about Khan, will talk about his lack of chin. It does ignore the fights that he's got through where he has been hurt and got through them. And this was, you know, I don't know how he didn't go down in this one, for example. Some of the shots he ate, no. if you told me, that is one thing I'll say, some of the things we did call in this, if you said to me on the pod last week, right, Brooke is going to catch him with this shot, this shot, this shot, some of the ones he's caught him with, I said, okay, well, he's obviously gone out on a stretcher then. There's no way he stood up to it. So, again, it's never as bad as people make out, but context is lost pretty much in pretty much everything, isn't it now? So that certainly will be with Amir Khan, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I was right when I said that I felt almost immediately after the fight, I would go on the timeline and see people saying what a waste of money card um, <laughs> was. I think there was an exchange in the second round, maybe, where people were like, hang on a minute, we've got a cracker of a fight here. And then it very quickly fizzled out to, even when Khan was landing, they never really felt like there was any jeopardy in there. Um, I think on top of that, the card itself, when you've Oof, got a guy bro. who, one of the selling points and one of the stories in the week is that He's accepted the fight midweek because he couldn't get a ticket for the fight. Never a good start. And and when you're just having to wait around, it adds to it and it puts more pressure on the fight to deliver. They tried doing the whole WWE thing of, look, we can't take you behind this door, but there really is an argument behind here. That we <laughs> can't let you see. And I thought maybe if it was earlier in the night, maybe if it was too different fighters where there was more kind of tribalism on either side people may have got into that a bit more but all it did really was just irritate people who at this point you'd already had about 40 minutes without a fight it was 20 past 10 and you were like just get on with it <laughs> the main plus i can have is we didn't get a national anthem before the fight did we no there is that there I mean, is that do you think it's never really needed as it is um when you've got two Brits as well, there is really, what are we doing here? Yeah, it, it it was what it was. I I didn't get anything less than what I anticipated when I pressed the buttons on the uh, Virgin Media box to pay twenty quid. I got actually exactly what I thought I was getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think we can claim anything of what has come. We really, um, maybe people if they. We're just taking a passing interest in this fight. Maybe we're expecting something a bit different so you can feel a bit more for them. I think we kind of knew what we were signing up to. I do agree that these undercards are rarely good. I thought this was particularly bad. You you can do better, even with a limited budget on this. At five o'clock on the night, Sky Sports tweeted out, buy now for a stacked undercard beneath a truly huge grudge match. I mean... It was staggering, though, when some people were like, well, Hearn would have put on a better card than this. Like, lads, come on, please. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, he's just like, as bad. So Far less as an equivalent. Um, we were there for Luke Campbell against Lomachenko, which was on pay-per-view. Hmm. They didn't stack that card out. What was it? Was that... Uh, was that uh, Pavetkin, Huey Fury, I think, was chief support? Something along those lines? You might um, be right, yeah. So, yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be stacked, but at, at the least, and we say this all the time, so I mean, maybe it's a conversation for another day. We would much rather have three Southern area title fights that are competitive 
and give you something where if you're having a night doing that, whether you're having a drink, we're having a bet, it gives you something to be more invested in. Yeah. I guess something like that first fight camp show that we were just told was like the best thing since sliced bread. Um, something with that level of fights. It doesn't need to be true 50-50s. You can have some 60-40s there or whatever. But these are the opportunities really that are supposed to draw in the casual boxing fan to yeah exactly tune in moving forward when i think if anything it probably puts them off yeah i think there was nothing about this that sold it is there and even the main event as much as it was a a big fight there isn't anything about that night that makes you think i'll come back for more because it went on as you said went on yeah. too long if you were a casual fan i imagine um i saw tristix and i've been uh, a bit of a rant about this and he's pretty right in terms of no other sport really considers like 11 p.m like a prime yeah. time yeah boxing does it's, it's an odd one um so they do nothing to sell it by way of being a friendly sort of time and do nothing to sell it in terms of the undercard like i said we understand we're not getting a stacked undercard but there's also there's also sort of matchmaking you can do where you know the styles are going to gel in a certain way yeah that will make it conducive to uh to being interesting and it's just the Fraser Clark one, it, it, it potentially you'd say, well, look, it couldn't be helped because of the late pull up for the opponent. Yeah. But the rest of it, you can, you know, it can definitely be helped. I don't even, think you can give many excuses. Even like, um, and I'll use him as an example, despite the fact um, he fights with a different promotion now. But you used to be able to get someone like Sam Eggington, who you know I'm a big fan of, but someone <laughs> who guarantees a fight like that every time, or he yeah. shouldn't be fighting for a while anyway, but. You fill out this kind of card with a Sam Eggington, a Ted Cheeseman. Yeah, exactly. Those kind of ones where you tune in and it boosts them because the people that are tuning in for the first time go, Jesus, I've never seen this Ted Cheeseman before. He's got a chin like granite. He doesn't stop throwing punches. And then you can put him on in a regular sky slot and it's like, oh yeah, I'll tune in for that guy. I've seen him and he's had firefights several times before. And then you wheel him out for the pay-per-view, for example. But doing this... I thought the person, the only person really, other than Kel Brook, who came out looking particularly well, was um, Brad Rare on the undercard because yeah. he was fighting a fellow guy with an unbeaten record. If Whether you um, looked at the bookies odds before that or not, he got him out there in impressive fashion. And you weren't hanging around for it. They got him straight in the ring. So, I don't know. It felt like a missed opportunity. Um, and then the only thing I was really happy for after round two, my only concern really was I didn't want to see Khan carried out of the ring and I wanted to open my bet one. <laughs> it didn't feel like a competitive fight anymore. And it felt like one of them where you were just seeing someone just get slowly, slowly just beaten down. And maybe if someone you don't like, you'll settle for it. Like if that's Billy Joe Saunders, I'll say, <laughs> give, give me another six rounds of that. But Ramir Khan, what he's done to that point, I thought, yeah, you probably deserve a bit better than to keep you in there just to see you go out on your back. Yeah, I didn't want him to be a highlight reel either. Um, so I, I think in in that sense, it wasn't a happy ending, but it was as happy as you could have. You know, that, and in a way, I guess, I mean, can say, okay, you always said I wasn't tough enough. At least I've kind of proven I've got that in me. If, if nothing else at this stage, if I've done anything else left, it would seem. Aside from the people whose soul purpose is to kind of make viral content like I saw some people online saying you know what I reckon I could take Amir Khan now his chin's gone blah 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 <laughs> and 
Yes, Idris had that half his career, though. Yeah, the thing was, and I remember us saying this on previous podcasts, um, as much as he's he's been hurt easily, usually when you talk about the chin, it's that you're being knocked out. He's shown incredible powers of recovery throughout his career. The Maidana yeah. one, obviously, the greatest example. Um, and he was doing it again. This time, um, he has the nous that when he's clearly like seeing triple, he's still able to kind of slip and duck. The issue was his legs weren't underneath him this time, so it just made that 10 times harder. I think it's probably perfect for him. He suffered a humiliating loss in the circumstances. There's no way you could talk about the fight without calling it one-sided. And then on top of that, if he had any doubts before, and I kind of feel going into this one, he, he knew whether he was trying to tell himself otherwise or not. He said afterwards he doesn't have any love for the sport of boxing anymore. So... If that's what it took for him to realise, look, that's it. It's it. It's a better way to learn than a lot of other fighters get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If if you had to be taught this lesson, this was probably the nicest way it could have happened for him, wasn't it? Like you said, rather than going out your back or going out when against someone who's terrible, who you probably yeah. should have been beating, it's it's probably a fair way of doing it, and you don't feel like he's that gutted of losing this rivals, but I'm sure it hurts, but he can also sell it to himself as, well, look, if I had taken him in my prime, I'd have had it. Yeah. Which is obviously um, subjective and a lot of people, I think now will definitely counter that, but in his own mind, he can do it. So I'm sure that probably helps you sleep easy. Yeah. And I mean, the guy who did win the fight, we've probably uh, spoken less about, Kel Brook. Now, we've seen three options touted for him after the fight. You can tell me if there's any more that you would go towards and that's being retirement. Look, why not go out now? Biggest win of your career. Uh, You've just made a lot of money. The other option started on the night, Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, Eubank Jr. And I thought he had an opportunity to address this on Saturday night. The reason this feud for example, started wasn't the Golovkin thing, I don't think. The issue was when he took the Spence fight and he called him a quitter literally seconds after he lost, didn't he? Um, I recall us we were walking out of the ground at Bramall Lane and we saw on our phones that Eubank had said something along the lines of, if I had that opportunity, uh, you'd never see me go out like that. It was something alluding to the fact yeah. Yeah, yeah. he skewed it. Um, and I think that's really where it brews from. The the Brook Triple G thing, I saw a, another account suggest this recently. As as time goes on with Hearn, I'm a bit more sceptical that the version of events were quite the way that Hearn explained it at the time. But there's 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 a storyline there that you can manipulate. And then on the other hand, um Connor Ben was whipping around ringside like a Del Del Boy Chisora's lapdog. Um, and immediately saying look I want Kel Brook next this is the fight I want make this fight next if you're Kel Brook and I'll ask you to kind of judge where you think the money lies in this situation as well which of those three options do you think looks the most appealing well I personally think if he and he, to be fair to him, he was careful to say, look, I'm, I'm on a high right now, so I don't want to say something that I'm going to go back on. Because I think he gave us no indication he's going to retire. 
in everything. Every sort of oh. thing he was about kind of suggested that wasn't going to happen. In which case, I'd go all in for the Conor Ben fight. I'd do whatever I had to do to get that because I don't think the Eubank fight's a lot of fun for you. I think the Conor Ben fight is a potentially easier night's work and if it doesn't work out for you, it probably gets over with pretty quickly. If he's going to beat you, it's probably that he catches you and it's done. Whereas a Eubank fight, I think the last thing Brooke wants is a long, drawn-out fight and that's exactly what Eubank will give you against a much bigger man. Not much bigger, but bigger. Is there a part of the thinking that maybe in taking the Conor Ben fight, perhaps it's less money, but if it's an easier fight, it does open up a further payday after that? That's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly into my thinking as well. Is The worst case scenario with Conor Ben is you lose, he's young and fresh, you just didn't have it anymore, that was, you weren't motivated, you can say, I'm out of here with a big bundle of cash. Best case scenario is you have that big bundle of cash, you've beaten him, and you can still have the Eubank fight. Yeah. So Hearn will probably try and tie him for a rematch, wouldn't he? But presumably, if you were to get out there and it's one sided, for example, you can go into the Eubank fight and then you've rolled out basically the car fight was supposed to be a cash out and you've rolled out three paydays with what was supposed to be one. Yeah. If, if it's how I would play it, I think it looks more like just because of the natural storyline there that the Eubank fight might be made. And I don't know what deal Brooke has with Boxer and Sky. I imagine it was just a one-off. But if they did think, look, we work well together, I want to see this out, then obviously the Eubank one is a more natural one to make as well. Eubank's I don't think it's well advised. always wanted to be a pay-per-view star on Sky Sports, hasn't he? And they've given him that. And like he's, he's willing exactly to take a deal with, Chet, what was it, like ITV4 or whatever it was when he was doing those weird pay-per-views that with Abraham and yeah. Reynolds Quinlan. Yeah, he's the sort of flagship guy for Sky now. So if Cal is tied into any sort of deal with him or even just a sort of, not a confirmed agreement, but a silent agreement, if you like, then the, the Eubank fight is, is going to be the one they get, they're going to make. Uh, but if I was advising Cal, I'd say go all in for the Conor Ben one. If you're Kel Brook and you're talking about the Eubank fight, do you put more stock into the last six rounds against Liam Williams or do you put more stock into the fight with James DeGale? Uh, I there's, there, there's, there's a thought process that anyone with a low-level boxing brain has the potential to have an easy night's work with Eubank. I don't think that's the case, but that's certainly the message that's placed around him when you take the fight is, this guy can't box, I can box, this is an easy night's work for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the issue obviously with that is that the only times that has happened, he's got Billy Joe, who that is his game, whether you like him or not, is box and move. He's not going to go in there and try and bang you out of there. He's box and move. He ground him down somewhat. And again, the back half of that fight started closing the gap. The other one is Groves, who's significantly bigger and can whack as well. So he can kind of keep you back a bit more honest. And so as Brooke, you're going to be the... The small, exactly, he's still coming, and you're going to be the smaller guy coming up there. It's not so easy to do that. And and I know he was shot to bits when he got in there, but the girl would have been seen as the boxer versus Eubank, and that didn't go so well, right? 
That's what I mean. He got he got bashed up a bit. He was able to take his name with him. Yeah. It didn't. It, it certainly. It didn't really increase either of their stock because it wasn't a very entertaining fight, if we're honest. So no, no. That fight didn't like DeGale had no other options after that. Uh, if you're Sky though, you look at the numbers that the Liam Williams fight did. If we take them at face value. Betting on Chris Eubank Jr. seems a fairly safe bet when you are doing pay-per-view fights. We always say, by the amount of people that text us in the in the lead-up to the the night, um, kind of gives you an indication as to what level of stardom these people have. I was getting texts about the Liam Williams fight from people that I wouldn't associate with sitting down to watch a non-pay-per-view fight on a Saturday night. So... It, and Kelbrook's star power certainly has done no harm after beating Amir Khan. So, yeah, his his do big numbers on that. Ironically, considering this is seen as sort of like the the end of his career, Brooks' star has probably never been higher. Stock's never been higher than it is now. That's including when he won a world title. It would have been after getting battered by Triple G, where people are like, "Look, fair play." Yeah, you got in there. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. So, um, it's that would do big numbers and. Eubank, there's no doubt in terms of he does numbers because, really, and I know I mentioned it, shameless plug in my article about Carnbrook, but Sky basically had to assemble boxes with her and leave them. And if they don't get Eubank, what are they going to do? Because they don't really have a front man for the band. Everyone else is just a band member. And that's brutal on, say, Josh Taylor, who obviously is an undisputed champion. It's probably the best we've got, but he doesn't have the star power. By comparison, he doesn't oh, have the pull like, that Eubank does. When they started, Richard Reactpool was one of their main guys. Yeah, exactly. And that's... People like him make total sense for the guys you're going to build into the star. But who do they have? You need someone for now. And Eubank is that guy. And in... in I, I don't like to say it, but his career is probably going to end up being one of just big random fights. Because right? there's no real plan, it appears, to his career. I, I prefer that, though. That's fun, that, isn't it? Him facing like uh, I saw uh, what's his name, um, guy who uh, he was in the army, oh, and he said he'd come up to fight Eubank. I can't think of his name. Um, I've got Jamal Herring in my head, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't him. Yeah, Jamal Herring. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're gonna say James Blunt? <laughs> but yeah, I'd rather see him against Cal Brook than like some mid-level American. Yeah, but the the issue is is that essentially he says he wants a world title, isn't it? So and, and I understand what he wants, but do we want to see him some little vacant world title shot? Is we give him no, any more credit? No, no, but it, it shouldn't be for that, should it? it? Doesn't it doesn't have to be a choice. So he should, in theory at least, be able to get a fight with a Charlo and an Andrade, whoever Golovkin, who he's obviously been linked with forever and a day. Yeah. Um. I, he, I don't. He see. should have been able to get those fights. The fact he hasn't been able to, and then we'll call out Kel Brook. I, I'll be honest. I, I like you, but I don't think it's a good look. I, and I don't hate the fight, but I don't think it's a good look on his part. If if you're if All tomorrow if tomorrow you got a call and your work said look, you're not working for us anymore. You're going to go and be Chris Eubanks Jr.'s manager. Hmm. The first email you get in your inbox is from Eddie Hearn saying, "Look, we'd love to do the Andrade fight." Isn't isn't your first role as his manager to say absolutely not? Why the hell would he take that <laughs> fight? 
Like, yeah. But for him, he should want the fight. And I yeah. don't doubt he'd take it. I do not doubt that for a second. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, he would believe that he can beat Andrade. But everyone around him should say, why Why would we take that fight? Far People with far more to gain have been less willing to take that fight. It makes no sense for Eubank to. It's true, but you should be able to get one of them, I guess is the point, even if it's not him. A lot of the um, others only fight in house though as well, don't they? But I don't think he would have in his situation a problem with getting like I saw someone say Charlotte's in PBC jail and it, it is true and it's probably getting overlooked how bad it is the PBC situation. But for example, I think Eubank could get a deal there because it's not like he's he had them. Who they, they, they tried making the Charlo fight. He fought on the same card and he, yeah. that's when he fought Korobrov. And that was his time where he was going to make his big name in America. Korobrov, I think, dislocates his shoulder in the first round. And then he took the money to face... Uh... I'm about to... Has it ended into Gale fight? Is that after that? No, I'm not. In all honesty, I think the next one may have been the Marcus Morrison fight. So... Yeah, because obviously that fight descended to fast because of the coral injury, and then the pandemic hits, I believe. So he's kind of he can't fight in America as he was anyway. And I think so. It's not like there's been twists of fate in his career that haven't been, that have been out of control. That, that is true. But uh, I do think yeah, that probably well, should Marcus be was the next fight. For example, that I guess the thing with him is if he. Got the got the title shot and fall short. It's not like he doesn't still have the big nights for it. Like he can do a Calbrook fight at any point, for example, yeah. if he wanted to really ratchet up the promotion. I guess the the kind of the thing is if if you are wanting to be taken seriously as a legit contender, you probably do have to get one of those fights over the line. I say I like him, but it it does and and I even like I've tweeted on the night that he doesn't take a night off. I like that he's always basically working. He's always finding an angle. Um, in a totally different way to his dad, but he has a natural talent for knowing how to do that. But does it, does anyone care if he's a legit contender? Like no one that is that no one outside of the core boxing audience that tuned in to see Eubank Williams could care less if he wins a world title. They want to see him do a gloves are off. They want to see him in with Truth. a guy who's going to give him some jit back. Yeah, I I think as much as I'd like to see him in there, I think if he has it literally put in front of him, if they say. Right, we're offering you this amount of money to face Charlo, big main event in America. I think he takes it, but until it's literally there, I don't think there's a desire from his team. I also say what you want about Callas Ireland. I don't think he's going out and negotiating a super deal for him to go and face one of these American champions. I think they're content to see where the chips may fall. And I guess the Kell Brook fight, he's seen the atmosphere on Saturday night. He, it was mentioned before the build-up. Um, I think it's kind of fallen in his lap and he said, if you want to pay me several million pounds to go and beat up this much smaller guy, absolutely I'll do that. Yeah, and listen, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him for taking it. Like I said, if that falls in, in your lap, absolutely take it. But it, I just, I'm just acknowledging that I don't know that it's the best look. It's never the best look to chase the smaller guy. And if you're supposedly the guy with title aspirations, as he has us believe, then it's this doesn't get you closer to a title. This doesn't do anything for you. This is just a, a one-off. It's a cash grab. Which is fine. fine. Absolutely fine. But it, same thing with, I know he's on a different end of his career. Same thing with Conor Ben. If you're supposedly trying to build and building 
get to this next level of welterweight, I don't know that taking out one of the old guys, it, it probably makes more sense for him than Eubank in, in many ways, but yeah, I, I think this I be quite not free with them. Eubank did the tweet to Cal Brooks saying, look, if you want to fight me, you, you come to 160, you've come up here before. If not, I've got a bigger fish to fry because you can frame it as, I didn't chase this guy. This guy mentioned me. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget that. And also, by the, by the way, this conversation happened only a few weeks before because the Conor Ben fight started. He's starting to get linked with. Oh, it. that was those were horrible. But the this odd sort of thing of well, Eubank can come down. If you think Eubank can get a pound or two off one sixty, then you're saying something I'm not. If you look at him on the scales, do you think there's anything to lose? <laughs> he no, looks, he he is not getting down to anything. Like oh, we'll meet at one fifty four. That is never happening. He came down to middleweight for the Karabov fight, and I think it's quite telling that he's not been back there. But he was for the Williams fight, wasn't he? That was I thought middle. it was at 168 still. I think that was a middle, wasn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. I think it was. But um but but regardless, he's you know, he's, he's pinching. He's it's not like when he's at 168. Okay, no, yeah, yeah, you're right, fair play. Um you know, I thought he was saying, All right, I don't if I don't need to make it, I won't, but okay. I quite like that he stays active in both. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think he's you know, he he does a, a job in both of them as well. But it's yeah, this idea of oh, just another six pounds off. So I don't think he's got that to give actually, mate. No, and I think as much as if I'm in his camp, it makes sense to do. When you've had a whole week of saying Cal Brooks too big for this weight, he struggles at this weight, to then suddenly a week later be like Look, I'm not going up that high. Yeah, yeah exactly. People right. aren't going to take that seriously, no matter how much sense it makes. No, no, exactly. It's, I mean, it would be a decent payday for Brooke, but it'd be I, a tough, tough night for him. Yeah, I mean, I, those I'd eye sockets wouldn't enjoy you, Mike Christ. No, I'd rather see the Conor Ben fight. Hmm. Yeah, I'd have uh, more interest in that. Yeah, um, uh, it's always fun when there's the kind of passing passing of the torch fight and it's actually quite enjoyable when it doesn't go the way the promoter intends it to um yeah i, I like it when, chocolatito yeah i like it when the old guy kind of puts the middle finger up to him and says oh actually you're not feasting on me yes i, I like that yeah the issue with the with any fight with a guy coming up to you bank as well is you kind of need the threat that he can hurt him and if he if bigger punches than brooke haven't hurt you back I, I don't see that that's going to have the sell of this could go wrong at any point for Eubank. I just don't see that. No, and on the other hand, people will say Eubank isn't the most concussive puncher and so Kel Brook can evade the hairy moments and see it through. Yeah, just, we've got no evidence that Brook is going to have 12 rounds of high-paced action in him. He, I'm, I'm no, sure he no. can win rounds against Eubank and box his head off in parts. But for 12 rounds, that's a long, old time against a big guy like Eubank who's going to keep coming. That's I would be very. I'd think carefully about it if I was Brooke. If you want the money, fine. But there's easier days out there for you. I actually thought as the fight went on, um, some of the uh, kind of uh, final take for me went from Khan looking particularly poor to Brooke maybe not looking as brilliant as some would have you believe. Um, Khan was doing all the tricks in the book in, in terms of clenching, ducking, dodging. But when you've got a guy like that who's just waiting to be finished. And for portions of it, Khan was essentially saying, 
hit me with enough ear and the ref is going to jump in. We've all mm. got what we want. You've got what you've got the win. I don't have to be in here anymore. Um, and he looked very ragged. He didn't look like he was putting his shots together as well as he could do. Um, and I don't know if that says more about his power, if that says more about Khan's chin, because on the other hand, there were some people like, hang on a minute, has Khan ever been chinny? Because he took some great shots on Saturday night. <laughs> he did take some unbelievable ones. Yeah, so yeah. I thought the longer it went on, the worse of a look it was for Brooke. And it probably finished just in time where we would start having that conversation. Because similar happened with Eubank Jr. against Williams, let's not forget. It went from Eubank looks a million dollars to oh, this is boring the hell out of me. Why the hell has he not finished this guy off? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So I, I don't know. I think the money is going to be there from Sky. Everything we hear about from Hearn's offers of late don't suggest that the zone's the place to be and they're going to give you all this money in the world. Um, Khan and Brooke both said similar about the offers they had from Hearn to stage this fight. So, if I had to put my hat on it, I do think the Brook fight, the Brook Eubank fight happens. Um, and as much as Brook may try to add some stipulations, I think there are some people that are going to be telling him he's the A side in this situation where I'm not so sure that's the case. I think Sky can sell far more pay per views with Eubank versus Boxer X than they can with Kel Brook against Boxer X. Yeah, as a standalone name, I think Eubank does does still have it, even with what we've just seen with Brooke. Uh, it was funny seeing people reply to Eubank's tweet actually saying, Brooke's the A-side here, mate. I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that at all. Yeah, yeah, horrible. Um, all right, let's move on to the UFC just to close today's show. So UFC 272 this weekend. Um, By the way, before- this weekend or the following Oh, you've just ruined my hopes uh, if it's not this weekend. Because I've been all excited for this. <laughs> oh, no. I feel terrible if I have. Oh, yeah, you have. Oh. <laughs> just in my head, I thought. Oh, oh that's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just thought I'd best check before you. Uh... Oh, this is so annoying. <laughs> oh, I feel terrible, though. Oh, it's back at your Bobby Green this weekend. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So, I was about to run through the card. I was so amped, and now I'm looking at a card where the third fight down on the list doesn't have an opponent. Oh, Christ. Well, I guess we'll save this to talk about next weekend, then. <laughs> Just as you started talking about it, then, it's like, is this this weekend or the following? Oh, that's, that's proper annoyed me, that. I, I, all day, like, I've, had a, I've had a long day at work and I've just been thinking, I can't wait for this weekend. We've had big fights this weekend. We've got big fights next weekend. Oh, that's like a... Oh, I feel like Does I'm it you have a body blow? I've like... kicked in the nuts, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Another oh, week. my God. I've just seen Liam Smith tweet, everyone asking, yes, you bank at 160, Brooke at 154, I'm up for either of them. <laughs> no one's asking that, Liam. No one's asking. Jesus. Um, well, I guess in closing, then I'll ask you this. Uh, movie Madness this week, Silence of the Lambs versus Black Klansman. Um, which do you think? That's a, 
that's a style matchup. Very different. Um, I will go with Silence of the Lambs, but I did enjoy Black Clansman when we went to watch it, didn't we? I think you may have almost Scott. I didn't uh, go see this at the cinema, but I did see it shortly after. But I did also enjoy it. So, oh, okay, I thought you were then. Maybe you. Now I think you're right. So you uh, cancelled, didn't you? Yeah, I think I has. I mean, there's narrowing it down. If I say I have some kind of illness, to be fair, that doesn't mean much to anyone at home. Yeah, for some reason I thought I thought you then. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm going to be watching Silence of the Lambs this evening. I think. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I'd say you'll enjoy it, but that's an odd thing to enjoy. So yeah. Um, yeah there we go thank you again for listening to another edition of Spitballing Pod we will be back goodbye